0: Wellbeing being apps a good thing? I was recently interviewed on this topic, and I have to admit, before the pandemic, I was very much an advocate of the face-to-face being the gold standard. But here are my recent reflections. So let's think about the rise of well-being apps. Can they ever replace proper therapy? Is the trend really a good thing? Well, there are some things an app cannot replace. Nuance, for example. When you get a response from a client, you can read body language. You can note changes in the tone of voice. You can denote any slight deviations from their baseline observation behavior. And this can help you tailor a session a lot better. You can clarify things in person. If anything leaves the professional unsure, you can ask the questions, so there's no misunderstanding. In person, you can provide emergency support. A professional is often better able to take emergency action should that need to happen. And also, you can build a rapport. Miller and Rolnick define rapport as building a mutually trusting and respectful helping relationship. And this plays a huge role in helping that client feel safe and therefore explore those areas of concern and vulnerability. In psychotherapy 2018, research was published that suggested that therapeutic relationship not only causes but predicts a positive outcome. However, what an app can do is provide 24 hour access. It can signpost you to a real person if needed. It can reach people who are uncomfortable speaking to someone. It can enable people to feel they're not alone. It can provide interventions such as meditations or affirmations as you wait for an appointment. It can continue that sense of familiarity we already have with technology. Most of us already wear smart watches to track our fitness, and an app can simply be an extension of that practice, which reminds us to look after ourselves. And some apps even provide tools such as gratitude journals or guided meditations. And this practical, immediately accessible help is usually also very inexpensive. An app is very much a product of the world in which we live. And so Many people seeking support will tend to look for an app first. Now, the rise of apps have probably come from simple demand. If people want them, then people are going to build them. There are many useful apps, such as the Wellness Recovery Action Plan app, and this enables you to write out a plan for recovery, which you can then share with your loved ones. And that in itself gives you a really great template to do, even if you're not using the app. It not only sets out your next steps, but it also helps you put in support in case you need it, because the step to recovery is always one step forwards, two steps back, and that's okay. There are other apps which can signpost you. So there are crisis intervention tools, such as www.makeuseof.com. There are also apps which help you specifically at the point of crisis the Stay Alive app, which is at www.prevent-suicide.org.uk. There are more specific apps such as meditation or Headspace and Calm being good examples or brain training. And I personally like using them. Apps have a purpose. And in some ways, if it's the only connection you're going to get with a professional until you have got through the waiting list, are they really a bad thing? There are also apps where you can just boost your well-being every single day, such as the Action for Happiness app. But remember, cost is not always indicative of how reputable an app is. So always read reviews, always go down the element of the free trial. And if there isn't one, then question why. If an app is recommended by the NHS or a professional that you're seeing, then maybe that makes sense. But remember, some apps work for some people, but not for others. If you know what you're looking for, this can help you, but never be afraid to uninstall if you don't like it.